I'm going to ask you to stand, and as we stand, I want you to think about standing. Uh, As we stand to hear God's word, we're standing as servants eager to hear the words of our master. We're standing, kind of leaning in and saying, we're ready to obey. We're ready to hear from you. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 113, and if you need a pew Bible, it's page 347. Psalm 113, the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who dwells on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth? He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap, that he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people. He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. Let's pray to this Lord. Father, we come and we just are privileged to be able to hear these words and to respond to them with praise from hearts set free, set free from the sin and guilt and shame of sin. And Lord, we are glad to praise you as a proclamation to all peoples and to everyone in gathered here in this place that The joy of the Lord is available to all through your Son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray and and really sanctify and set apart this time to bringing glory to you, to living out that which we have read as we review what you have done in the past, as we anticipate what you will do in the future. We ask and expect to meet with your greatness, your goodness, and your grace. Lord, it is you that we praise, it is you that we exalt, and it is you who has gathered us and called us and chosen us, justified, redeemed, sanctified, and one day will glorify us as your people. It's in the name of your Son who makes all this possible that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate you leading us in our scripture reading. And I am uh, just super excited to be able to share what we are going to look at this morning and next Sunday. And I am super excited that you are here today to hear uh, what I believe God has for our church as we take today to kind of look at the past and the next Sunday look towards the future. This morning, I want to answer a question, and that is, what's in a name? And uh, and so what we're doing is we're taking a two-week break from our series in Daniel to answer that specific question, what's in a name? The reason we're doing this is because after several meetings with our leadership council this past year, uh, meetings of discussion and prayer, uh, our leadership council is recommending that we change the name of our church. And the need to rename our church is something that I have mentioned, I have talked about as your pastor for the 
the last five to six years, and so this is not anything new. In our leadership council, after uh, several meetings this last year, has come to a decision on December the 10th in one of our leadership council meetings, has made an official recommendation to you all as a congregation that we change the name. And I will present the new name next Sunday that our leadership council is proposing that we change it to. So you don't want to miss next Sunday. And if you're here today, one, you know, just waiting, what is the new name? Because that is the question on everybody's mind. You've got to come back next Sunday uh, to hear what that is. And then we as members will have the opportunity to actually vote on the new name four weeks later on Sunday, April the 2nd, in a special business meeting following our worship service. Uh, I know many of you will uh, perhaps want to discuss and ask questions about this name change, and which we will have opportunity to do so uh, in our grow groups. For those of you that are part of our grow groups, we'll take time tonight to just talk about this, as well as next Sunday specifically about the new name even. For those of you that are not part of a grow group, and, and I want to invite you, if you're interested and you're concerned about it, to, to come and meet with me in a What's in a Name forum discussion on a Tuesday night, March the 7th. And we'll meet over here in the Student Life Center at 6.30 p.m. And so I invite you to, to be a part of that if you so choose. And, and if that's something you're interested in, please sign up on the back, at the info tables back there. There's a place for you to do so. So what's in a name? That's the question. And uh, the answer is plenty. Names have meaning. In fact, most names even have history. Have you ever found out the meaning of your name? My name actually means thick brush. Thick brush. That's the meaning of my name. And I say thank you, Mom and Dad, to that. Maybe that explains why my mom always used to tell me growing up as a kid, you are so thick-headed, Bruce. Well, yeah, you name me Bruce, thick brush. What do you expect? Do you know the history behind your name? It's interesting, for me, the name Bruce was made famous by the Scottish king Robert the Bruce, who won Scotland's independence from England in the 14th century. And so for that reason alone, I love my name Bruce. Now before I present our new name next Sunday for our church, I want us to first take today and I want us to celebrate the current name of our church. I want us to honor the name Glenwood. This name has meaning. This name has a history that is worthy of celebration. In fact, all of us here this morning, we have a, a connection to the name Glenwood in some fashion or form. If you're here this morning, you are connected to the name in some level. Uh, for some, that's, that's a little stronger than others. Uh, whether you've been attending for just a short few, few weeks or months or a few years, or, and for some of you here, you've been attending for many, many, many years like myself. And so depending on, on all these factors, your connection and your emotional attachment to the name Glenwood varies from person to person, but we all have a connection here. The name Glenwood, for, for some people, it holds some fond, fond memories for some of you who have been attending for many years. For some, Glenwood is where you, you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. For some of you, Glenwood is, is, is where you were baptized. 
for myself. Glenwood is where I met my beautiful wife. It's where I got married at, right here where I'm standing today, on this platform. It's where I raised my family. And so this name holds a lot of fond memories for me as your pastor. And so for many of us, the name Glenwood, it has emotional meaning. It has a rich history that is worthy of celebration. But at the same time, I want us to understand something. I want us to understand a truth, a biblical principle here at the outset, that the celebration of Glenwood is really a celebration of God's name because of who He is and what He has done throughout the history of our church. The reason that we can gather here today and celebrate the name Glenwood is only because of who God is and what God has done throughout the history of our church. This is why a celebration of Glenwood's name is truly a celebration of God's name. Psalm 113, the text that Pastor Chris read for us, lays the foundation for our celebration when it says, and let me read again in the first three verses, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you His servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And I ask the question, why? Why is this written here? Why is this psalm in our recorded scriptures? Why praise the name of the Lord both now and forever? Well, it's interesting. This psalm was sung at Passover along with some of the psalms that follow after it. You say, what's Passover? Passover is a yearly celebration for the Jewish people. It's a time when, when they would look back in their history. It's a time when they would celebrate God rescuing them out of bondage in Egypt. If you know your history of the Jewish people then you know that they spent 400 years in slavery in Egypt. And God, through miraculous powers, demonstrated through the ten plagues, and finally coming to that last one, He delivers them from bondage in Egypt into the promised land. And now Passover is kind of that yearly celebration. When they talk about it, they share what God has done. And they proclaim and praise the name of Jesus to one another. The parents and the grandparents would tell stories about this to their little ones. It's a yearly time to remember and celebrate. And so Passover is a celebration of God's name. It's a celebration of who He is. It's a celebration of what God has done in their history. Therefore, they would sing at Passover, praise the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forever. And in a small way, that's what we do each and every Sunday when we gather together as a church family. We sing to our Lord and we praise His name because we come here in, in just in, in hopefully in a way that God opens up your mind and heart to remember and to celebrate what God has done and who He is in your life. And today we want to praise God's name as we celebrate the history of Glenwood's name. So what's in the name Glenwood? Let me lay this out for us in five statements, if you will. Number one, What's in the name Glenwood is a history of geographical identity. A history of geographical identity. Now, many of you 
probably have no idea of our church's history. I'm fortunate enough to know a lot about our church's history for the simple fact that I grew up here in this church. I moved here when I was almost five years old, so I've spent nearly 45 years of my life here in this church. And most of you probably have no idea even why our church is named Glenwood. Where does that name Glenwood? Where does that come from? And so what I want to do is take a few minutes here to just kind of share our history, to share why we are named Glenwood, the origins of it. Now, most of what I'll share is, is printed in the sermon notes for your benefit. In fact, you'll find there's not even any places to fill out. No blanks. Some of you are like, praise God for that. Amen. Uh, and so there's even, uh, tried to include a few pictures as well. But notice this, a community called Glenwood and a church called Glenwood. The history of a gospel witness in this community, believe it or not, it goes all the way back to 1939 when a small group of people started meeting in a little red schoolhouse located on 3.5 acres where our present buildings stand. The church was simply known as Glenwood Community Church since the property was located in a small community called Glenwood. 17 years later, on April the 18th, 1956, 36 charter members voted to formally organize into the Glenwood Baptist Church and to affiliate with the Conservative Baptist Association of America. Later, a group of members, a group who were members of the Kansas City Baptist Temple, which is south of the river, a church, which, by the way, they have now changed their name from Kansas City Baptist Temple to Graceway. They did that just about uh, five years ago. And members of the Glenwood Baptist Church merged, and the church became a mission ministry, a mission church under the Kansas City Baptist Temple at that time. Which means that at that time, this church was no longer an autonomous, independent church that was self-sufficient on its own. It was under the auspices of the Kansas City Baptist Temple. It was under the authority. It was under the leadership of the Kansas City Baptist Temple. It was like a branch mission, a branch ministry of their church. In fact, they would send their lay people, their staff, pastors over here at times to minister and to even fill the pulpit and preach. On January the 1st, 1970, the church was severed from the Kansas City Baptist Temple and became an independent, autonomous local church once again. The church chose, at that time, Glenwood Baptist Temple as her name, and on August 31st, 1970, was incorporated under the laws of the state of Missouri. And in 1990, the name was changed to Glenwood Baptist Church. What this means is that our, uh, uh, our anniversary for this church, if you will, really goes back, it dates back to January 1st, 1970, which means in three years we will celebrate our 50th anniversary for this church. Pretty cool, huh? Although the history goes back to 1939. Now, a little side note, you, you may have noticed in your notes or even on the screen that white sign, uh, that old-looking white sign. I actually remember as a kid, uh, John Patrick probably does too, uh, his two brothers, my two brothers, the six of us with other kids, we would can't tell you how many times we ran around that sign as kids. Out, it used to be out in, directly behind the building here. We'd run around it before church, after church, and we'd pound on that sign, and thank God that sign is no longer there. It's also interesting to note that the name Glenwood once described the location of our church. 
while the name Glenwood was beneficial in the beginning, that is no longer the case. Since the Glenwood community has ceased to exist for well over 50 years. This means the name Glenwood is no longer an accurate description of the location of our church. And if the name of our church no longer describes the location of our church, then we ought to ask ourselves, why are we still calling ourselves Glenwood? Why keep using a name that has absolutely no relevance in describing our location? This is one reason why we need to simply change our name. I'll talk more about this next Sunday. Uh, but for now, let's continue to answer our question, what's in the name Glenwood? And so, the, first of all, there's a history of geographical identity that's no longer relevant. And number two, there is a history of pastoral leadership. Now, it has been a challenge to verify all the pastors throughout the history of our church. It's been no small feat or task. In fact, I could not find any records or printed materials before 1956, and even then, most of the dates are approximate. And, uh, and there may even be a few holes of pastors that, have, that were actually pastors here that I don't even have listed. And so what I had to do was uh, rely on conversations with uh, longtime members here at our church, and, uh, such as Mary Odie. Mary's sitting right back here. Thank you, Mary, for your help in this. Mary... Uh, has started, started, believe it or not, Mary started attending this church on this property in the 1940s when she used to live right behind the church at the bottom of the hill as a kid. And uh, so she's been here the longest of anybody. So I had a conversation with Mary and uh, Shirley Orr and John Barr and trying to piecemeal uh, some of the, 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 the holes in, in what I had in the, in the history of our church and specifically in, in, in the pastors of our church. And I won't go through this list and read it for you. You can do that for yourself, but you, you'll see all this. And when you look at the list of pastors, you'll notice that there have been at least 13 pastors in the 78-year history of our church. But what's interesting is in the first 32 years, there were 11 different pastors who kind of came and went. In fact, when you average that out, they were here less than three years on average. But all of that changed in October of 1971 when an Elvis Presley lookalike became the next <laughs> pastor. Yeah, you, you notice he's in green? That was the unofficial color of our church in the 1970s when my dad came. He's wearing green. The carpet used to be green here. We had gold pews, and so that was the unofficial color. It was, it was I mean, we were styling back then. <laughs> Tyrone Adrian and his wife Ann, along with their three young boys, moved from Great Bend, Kansas, to begin a pastorate that has stood the test of time. In fact, Jeremy, if you go to the next slide, you'll see some of the early years of my dad and my mom, along with my two brothers, and yes, even myself up there. As a young man in his early 30s, Pastor Tyrone brought vitality to the ministry. And Jeremy, you can go to the next slide. This was a man, this was a pastor who could not only preach the Word of God, but he could sing. And any time you have a pastor who could preach and sing, you kept him. <laughs> and that's what our church did. 
In 2002, my dad retired as the pastor, but surely not from the ministry. His faithfulness and fruitfulness is an example for us all as he still continues to teach the legacy class even today. And so I am thankful, oh, how I am thankful for the legacy of my father here at Glenwood, and I know all of you are as well. I'm thankful for the privilege as well to follow after him as the next pastor of this church since 2002. It's been a privilege to be your pastor for these last 15 years. I look forward, God willing, for many more years to come as your pastor. What's in the name Glenwood? As we have seen, there is a history of geographical identity that is no longer relevant. There is a history of pastoral leadership. And number three, there is a history of God's faithfulness. As you might imagine, there are way, way, way more stories of God's faithfulness that we could share here today than what we have time for. And so let me just highlight three in particular. You'll notice this in your notes, number one is God's faithfulness in the conversion of the little red schoolhouse. And this alone is a miracle of how this transpired and what God did here. When the proverbial little red schoolhouse was converted into a meeting place for a church, it was a miraculous story of conversion. The little red schoolhouse belonged at that time to the Board of Education of North Kansas City. They decided to offer the property for sale. And so an effort was made by the former owners to buy it. However, in years past, a will had been made to the effect that the property must remain for public use. And so through a series of court proceedings began in which final decision was made in favor of the property being used for church purposes. And that's when the Little Red Schoolhouse and the 3.5 acres it was located on was purchased way back then for $3,500. Amazing. In fact, there's even more I could share about that, of how this group, small band of people that were meeting together in this Little Red Schoolhouse, how God provided even that small amount of money to purchase the property along with that building to begin as shining the light of the gospel here in this, what was known as the Glenwood community at that time. But we... Go forward a few years here to number two, where we see God's faithfulness in the construction now of the church buildings. During the 1950s, the first of three buildings was erected, which is, was the original small auditorium. It's now what we call the Student Life Center. Later, in 1962, the second building was erected, which is this building which we meet in. We call it the auditorium. In the 1970s, more space was needed to minister to the growing congregation of adults and youth and children. And so under the leadership of Pastor Tyrone Adrian, the church sold bonds to raise $275,000 for the addition of the education building, which is directly behind me. Construction began in October 1975, and it was completed in the summer of 1976. And the mortgage for that building was paid off in 1990, enabling the church to become debt-free. And since 1990, this church, we as a congregation, we have been debt-free. We have never taken on any loans since then, for which I, for one, am very, very thankful for. In 1985, the auditorium went through a major renovation here with some minor remodeling since then. I would add to that, in my opinion... 
As your pastor, we need to do a major remodel here of this auditorium again. The last time it was done was 1985. This needs to be updated. It needs to be remodeled if we want to continue to minister in this day and age to the next generation and even the present generation of younger adults and younger families. We desperately need a remodel. You say, where's that money going to come from? God always supplies through the church, which brings us to God's faithfulness in the renovation of the education building. As you, most of you know, in 2007, the Shama campaign was launched with the goal of raising $300,000 to renovate the education building, which hadn't been renovated since it was built in 1975. By God's grace and through people's faith, over $425,000 was sacrificially given including the single biggest cash offering in our church's history of $153,000, which was given in a love offering on a Sunday morning. This enabled our church to not only renovate the education building behind me, but also allowed us to expand that renovation over to what we call the Student Life Center, which was a God blessing that you cannot imagine. It was huge and how God provided through the generosity and through the faith of you all as a church congregation. We are thankful for God's faithfulness. God has been faithful to this church throughout its 78-year history. But why should we be surprised? God is always faithful. He's not only faithful in the life of our church, he's faithful to you as an individual as well. What's in the name Glenwood? A history of geographical identity, a history of pastoral leadership, a history of God's faithfulness, and a history of gospel witness. Listen, we should praise the Lord for the history of a gospel witness in this community through Glenwood. This gospel witness goes all the way back to 1939 when a small group of people started meeting in what was called that little red schoolhouse. This band of people, they simply had a passion to do what Jesus said in Luke chapter 24, verses 46 and 47. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Do you realize that means for 78 years, there has been a light shining in this community and beyond as the gospel of Jesus Christ has been proclaimed. Praise the Lord, right? Amen. Praise the Lord. This small group of people in 1939 saw a need to shine the light and had a passion to proclaim the gospel. And praise the Lord for all the people since then who have been committed to proclaiming the gospel, not only here in this community, but also around the world. Taking the gospel around the world really took off when my father came in 1971 and began Faith Promise Missions. And as you know, that is the method or the structure in which our church uses to fund and support the globalization of the gospel and the support of our missionaries. In fact, I'm thankful to have Nikki here this morning with us, who we support, and her husband, Jordan, who are missionaries in the Philippines. Nikki grew up in this church. She was 
as, when I was a youth pastor, she was here under, under my leadership then. And if it wasn't for the giving of faith promise, we would not be having in doing what we do today. And so we're not only thankful for the gospel witness here in this community, we're thankful that we as a church can have a gospel witness around the world. Amen? What a glorious thing. Yes, the methods of that proclamation, yes, the means of proclaiming the gospel has changed through the years, but the message of the gospel has stayed the same. Listen, we have gone from buses and rodeos to Bible clubs to Awana clubs and Easter extravaganzas. The method changes, but the message of the gospel stays the same. And as long as I'm in your pastor, we are committed to the message of the gospel. That is the power that changes lives. And so let us remember that it's not the name of Glenwood that we proclaim. It is the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who died on the cross. He is the one who rose again. And He is the one who is coming back. Therefore, Jesus is the only one who can forgive our sins and rescue us from the bondage of our sin like God rescued the Israelites out of the bondage of Egypt. He is the only one who can grant us eternal life. And so we proclaim Jesus' name even as we vote on a new name for our church in a few weeks. What's in the name Glenwood? A history of geographical identity, a history of pastoral leadership, a history of God's faithfulness, and a history of proclaiming the gospel. And last but not least, a history of making Christ followers. That's the beauty of proclaiming the gospel. It bears fruit in people's lives. People's lives have been radically changed by the power of the gospel as they begin and they begin the journey of following Christ. This is the mission of our church. If you're wondering, why does this church exist? This is why we exist. This is why we exist as a church. We are here to make Christ followers who know Christ, who grow in Christ, who show Christ and who go with Christ. That is our mission. That is what excites us. That is what we want to ignite in each and every person here. We want to ignite a passion to follow Jesus Christ. We want to help people to find Jesus and to follow Jesus. This is our mission. This is the mission that Jesus gave every church, not just ours. And of course, it's known as the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, when Jesus tells his people, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now consider this for a moment with me. Just think, just imagine, think about all the people who have been impacted eternally by this church in the past 78 years. Can you imagine all the people that will be in heaven as a result of this church's ministry? Do you realize that most of you here, you have been impacted in some way eternally by this church. 
Either you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior through the ministry of this church, through the people that attended this church, or you have been impacted to grow as a Christ follower through the ministry of this church. The impact of the ministry of this church continues on. I can't even begin to fathom all the people through the history of this church who have been eternally impacted, whose lives have been radically changed in the 78-year history. But more than that, you know what jazzes me up? You know what excites me? Is when I begin to imagine all the people that God still has in the future for us to impact. All the people that God wants us through this ministry, through you and your lives, where you live, where you work, where you play, and even in this community, who still need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, God still has a plan and a future for this church. The message is the same. We may be voting on a new name, but we proclaim the name of Jesus Christ first and foremost. Now, I wish all of you could share some testimony I, I, and share stories of how you've been impacted, but I want you to hear from a few of our people who've been impacted by the ministry of our church. And I specifically have asked people who are from younger people who have been here just for a short few months have been impacted to some of our senior adults who've been attending here for 45 years. And one of those I want to come and start is Shirley Patrick. Her and Leonard have been attending here as long as I can remember. And so Shirley, come on up. She's got three boys, and, and, and we were all the same age. John's the oldest, and he's here. He's one year older than me. Her three boys and, my, and me and my two brothers, man, we fought, we played, we loved on one another. <laughs> And we have a lot of memories here at this church, and I love this dear lady. She was my Sunday school teacher in the second yeah. grade. Yeah. She has served many, many years at this church, and she has been impacted for all eternity, so surely bless us. Okay. Our family was invited to Glenwood Baptist Temple in the fall of 1972, and that was the name of the church at the time, Glenwood Baptist Temple. The name changed from temple to church. However, that did not change the mission of this church at all. The mission was to tell people about Jesus and how they could experience the love of God in their lives through salvation. There were two outreach ministries in 1972 that were instrumental in reaching our family for the Lord. The first one was the bus ministry. They were just getting the bus ministry started and um, Glenwood was conducting census work in the neighborhoods to see what children, where they might live, that would be interested in riding the bus to Sunday school. The young man from Glenwood knocked on our door, and unfortunately, I wasn't home, and Leonard answered the door. <laughs> I have no idea what he said, but the young man wrote on the back of our card that we were poor prospects. That was 45 years ago. The Lord was still in control and the card wasn't thrown away. Another outreach ministry at that time was the Thursday morning ladies visitation. Ladies would meet here on Thursday morning, uh, bring their children, take turns watching their children, and they would team up together with another lady and they would go make visits on prospects and others that had visited Glenwood. Guess what? Our card was still in the pile. Ann Adrian knocked on our door that morning. I let the, the ladies come in and they began to tell me about Glenwood. They asked if our boys would uh, want to ride the, the bus to Sunday school. As a child, I went to Sunday school 
and I felt that my children should do the same. Our two oldest ones were five and six, and we had a baby that was 10 months old. He wasn't going to ride the bus. <laughs> but they asked if they could ride the bus to Sunday school, and I wanted them to go. However, I was not comfortable with them going on a bus with people I didn't know to a church I'd never been to. I told the ladies to give me the directions to the church, and I would, I would bring them on Sunday, and I did. But not only did the boys and I go, so did not only did the boys and I go to church, but Leonard did also. We've been attending, growing, and serving all these years. Leonard was saved the second Sunday we were here. I would be remiss if I spoke about our beginnings and I didn't give recognition and thanks to Tyrone and Anne. Tyrone, thank you for your faithfulness, your caring, your love, your love for us as a family and this church. You'll never know this side of heaven what you've meant to us. Your studying and preaching is what the Lord used to convict our hearts of our need of salvation. And I know that great is your reward when we all get to heaven. And you're the one that knocked on our door that Thursday morning. You're the one that met me here at this altar right over here on a Sunday night. You opened your Bible and you showed me how I could be saved. You prayed with me. You knelt beside me. I've never doubted my salvation from that evening on. Then the blessing of a, long, a lifelong friendship built on the love of Jesus. You discipled me before we had discipleship classes. <laughs> you discipled me with just doing life and raising boys. Every now and then I remind Anne that when she gets to heaven, I'm her reward. <laughs> we laugh, <laughs> and she says, there's got to be more. <laughs> there is, my friend, because you've been a friend to many. You are loved, you, are, you have been faithful, and you will be greatly rewarded. I'll close by saying many times that change, many times that change can catapult us to the greater things. Since coming to Glenwood, the greatest change that I've experienced is the change in me and the change in my family, and most of all, the change of where we're going to spend eternity. Well, I uh, came to this church in 1992 with my wife and our uh, newborn daughter, Hannah, and it was an incredible experience to come to this church, and within joining the church, right away, I got involved with the new ministry of discipleship, and discipleship was such a great opportunity for me, especially when my disciple builder kind of nicknamed me the wild man for Christ, and um, so he uh, was gracious to uh, sit down with me for the next three years of my life on a weekly basis to teach me about my relationship with Christ, to teach me about uh, my membership in the church and what the local church is, and also about serving and being a participant versus a spectator in ministry. Discipleship was an incredible life-changing opportunity for me to grow me in my life with Christ, and it has impacted me not only in church ministry, but it has impacted me also with my leadership and my work, leadership and ministry opportunities as well, and my family as well. If there's anyone here that has not 
chosen to come through a discipleship process after you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you are missing out on the most incredible, life-changing experience that God has for you that you cannot imagine. The single point of discipleship in my life uh, was the fact that um, uh, I learned that uh, through discipleship that I was carrying a, a grudge of anger. I had some luggage of uh, frustration from a past marital relationship, and that relationship uh, was causing me to interrupt my personal relationship with the Lord. And um, I, had, I, was, I was angry because I'd had an ex-wife that had left me, and uh, I had not seen her for a number of years, and I was still carrying this frustration and anger. And the discipleship uh, process stopped, and uh, he said, until you can seek forgiveness of the Lord and seek forgiveness from your ex-wife, then uh, there's really no point in going any further. And my jaw just about dropped when he said that. And I had to reckon myself and pray and ask the Lord to help me through this piece of how I can offer forgiveness, seek forgiveness at the same time, of which I did. It didn't, didn't happen just overnight, but over about a four or five week period of time, I prayed the Lord and asked for blessings. And I made a, a call to my ex-wife and I asked for forgiveness. And I was released of all that anger and frustration that I had. I would have never in my life known the value of forgiveness had I not gone through a discipleship program or a discipleship ministry, I should say, effort and one-on-one -on -one in my life with a mature believer who could help me and grow me in my life. That has propelled me throughout my life of being able to offer forgiveness to people, to be able to ask for forgiveness. It changes your entire paradigm in life when you really grasp the forgiveness that Christ has given us and how we can impart that to others as well. Shortly after discipleship, which I think I hold the record of discipleship, I was in it for about three years. I think I was the longest one to go through it, and I perhaps had a very hard heart at times, but my disciple builder saw me through that, and soon we were off and running, and opportunities presented themselves to serve on MAC campaigns. These are these are ministry work where we traveled around the world uh, from Bogota, Colombia, to Romania, to England, to Tanzania, to the Philippines, to Hong Kong. It's amazing where God has taken us as a church. And uh, through that, I was blessed to just incredibly grow in my walk with Christ. And a few years into these types of campaigns, I also joined the Iwana ministry. And the Iwana ministry has been an incredible blessing to me as well. And what really became a turning point in the Iwana ministry for me um, before I was the commander that I am now was that one, um, one Memorial Day Sunday morning, uh, we had in our church uh, a family that was from an African nation. This family literally had just gotten off the boat, so to speak, just got off the plane about uh, 48 uh, to 72 hours ago. And they came to our church, and I was asked to go to their apartment, which was right next door here, to take them to a church picnic. And I came to their apartment, and right away, um, as, I unloaded, as I got out of my car, they were already outside waiting for me. And um, all 12 of them got into my car. <laughs> and I, I said, really, I, we can, I can come back and pick you up. I, I, can, I can take you to the park. No, we all go together. And um, my wife followed me and we took a few in her car, but I did have about 10, 10 people in my car. Luckily, there were no police as I went down the hill here to Mackin Park. But when we, when we brought them back, uh, this uh, mother said to me, she says, your church just makes us feel so welcome. 
she said, you don't know what we've been through. And yes, later on we did learn that this family had been through an incredible hostile environment in Africa to where they just saw this church as they were driving by, coming to their apartment, and they hadn't moved from their apartment until they came to our church. They walked to our church. They said, wow, your church is so open. It has just blessed us. Everyone is so encouraging to us. And they became a part of our church at that point. And that became an impetus for me. My wife said this to me, said, we're going to start visiting. We are going to start connecting with people. And, you know, we didn't have to travel thousands of miles around the world. The world was really right in our community. And as we started knocking on doors for a WANA club <clears throat> to start having children come to club with a van ministry, not a nice bus ministry at that point, but through a van ministry, we began picking up children. And the Awana ministry is a great opportunity to reach out and serve this community. We've had club nights where we've had over 100 children in club by simply reaching out. There's a school down the street. They call it the United Nations of Schools because they have so many children from around the world. We have been blessed to have many of those children in our church where we had an opportunity to proclaim the gospel of Christ and to assist them in their knowledge of who God is and what God can do in their lives through Christ. One uh, time in, in Awana Club, uh, we were, my wife and I were at a wedding, and at this wedding there was a gentleman that, um, that was in our club for about four years. He no longer was in our club. He moved away, but he got married here. And my wife and I are in the reception line. We're waiting to uh, greet this uh, wedding couple. And he said he just stopped everything the groom did. This was the boy that was in our Awana Club. And he said, I just got to tell you. And, and he introduced his wife to us. And he said, I am who I am today because I was brought to a WANA club at Glenwood Baptist Church. And through that, I was shown, you know, our vision is to show Christ. This boy said, I was shown Christ. And uh, I am who I am because I came to a WANA club. There are many stories like that that we've been blessed to see. And uh, Awana Club is just a great outreach. And if you're here and you're not a part of that, yes, I'll give a shameless commercial to be a part of us because <laughs> you're missing out. I'll close on this note. I have had the opportunity to be blessed by so many opportunities, and approximately it'll be five years this December. Uh, I had a heart attack. And uh, I was taken to the hospital out in Southern Overland Park. And there's nothing like realizing how powerful God's people are in a church when people come out to see you, and I was at my lowest point. I was fighting for my life. I had two heart attacks that day. Doctors had given a grim report on my life that I was about to die. They were preparing for whatever it could be, and yet out there were not only the pastoral staff, but many people from this church showed up. Now, I, I don't remember. I don't remember all this. I'm grateful in parts that I don't, but I've pieced together the stories that happened. And so many of our church were out there praying to be on the receiving end and to have church loving you and supporting you and to realize that their prayers were all on my behalf. And by the grace of God, I am standing here this morning vertically alive today and grateful that God has given me a second opportunity. And four months later after that episode, I was able to return back to work after relearning how to walk, relearning to do my job, how to drive a car. But God's people in Glenwood Baptist Church prayed for me and supported me and loved me. And there are so many people 
who are in hospitals today, who are not a part of our local church and are missing out from support and love that they could have in a local church. I'm always grateful for who we are as a church. I'm grateful for the wonderful relationships and friendships we have here, and I thank you that I had an opportunity this morning to share in the celebration of our church. Thank you. For me, Glenwood Baptist Church is home. Not the building, but the people. I have my tissues, so <laughs> just pray I can get through this. My husband was mocking me yesterday as I was typing and just sobbing, so we'll get through it. Okay. Um, at 13 years old, I was insecure, super nerdy, and very, very worried about what happens after you die. Even though I had a loving mom and a big sister, the overwhelming feeling that plagued me was emptiness. I just couldn't see what life was supposed to be about, and I struggled so hard to feel loved or valuable in any way. My family went to church a couple times a year, but it seemed like a waste of time to me. I had no intention of ever being involved in any religion, and I certainly didn't want anything to do with God, whoever that was. Then Amanda Brown, a friend of mine from school, invited me to a youth activity at Glenwood in the summer of 1992. I wanted to spend time with her, so I agreed to go. For those of you who've been around a while, it was a singspiration. Remember yeah. those? It was good. And uh, afterward, we went out for pizza, and the first time ever, people outside my family were lavishing with me with attention. Carl and Susie Hayes, Tim and Janet Taylor, Michael Porter, Bruce and Darla, and some of the teens sat by me and talked to me and asked me questions about myself, and it just made me think differently about church. I came to Sunday school once after that, and I remember Bruce, our youth pastor, teaching about Satan. So it was kind of a funny introduction to Christianity, but I was riveted, and I can still remember so much of what he taught that day. Amanda then invited me to youth camp, and by that time, I was hooked on spending time with these people. So I begged my mom to let me go, and looking back, it could only have been the Lord causing her to say yes. My mom is a very careful and loving parent, but she's not easily trusting. So the fact that she let me leave her for a week to spend time with a bunch of people she didn't know who believed things she did not believe is amazing. And I'm so grateful to her for that, because it's what changed my life. The first night at youth camp, the speaker presented the gospel that Jesus was God and that he lived a perfect life, died a horrible death on the cross to pay for our sins, and then rose again so that we could have new life. I don't think I'd ever heard that before in my entire life, and my heart was pounding in my ears as I walked to the back of that auditorium during the invitation. Susie Hayes was there to pray with me, and that night, the Lord brought me into his family. I felt like I'd been walking around with an extremely heavy backpack on, and someone had just suddenly taken it off. I could have flown back to our cabin that night. Where there was once insecurity, now there was security. Where there was once emptiness, now I was filled. I used to feel worthless, and now I was perfectly loved and cherished by the God of the universe. I could stop right there, and that would be a great story, wouldn't it? But it was only the beginning. How do I know that Glenwood is a phenomenal church? 
Well, by the end of the week at youth camp, Bruce was already talking to me about being baptized. And that following Sunday, Pastor Tyrone baptized me, along with the other teens who had received Christ that week. He also talked to me about tithing and encouraged me to be in discipleship. Just a few weeks later, Susie Hayes was meeting every week with Amanda and I for discipleship. She immediately encouraged us to start reading our Bibles and praying every day and had us begin memorizing verses of Scripture. It may sound like a lot all at once, but looking back, it's so obvious to me now how the Lord takes care of his children. If you are his, he will provide everything you need in order to grow and serve him. As the local church for me, Glenwood Baptist Church, is at the center of it all. Without the church, we're disconnected, disinherited children, unable to be fed and to feed others. But because of Glenwood, I was never left to myself just to figure out Christianity. I was immediately plugged in and nourished in my new faith in Christ. Before long, Susie told me I should serve in a ministry. And so Gwen Regis, Vicki Slaybaugh, and Jeff and Christy Brown were there in junior church to help me learn what it means to labor side by side with your fellow believers. Later, Bill Bowman would be my choir director and then Michael Porter. There's so much more I could tell, like how Pastor Tyrone used to pull me aside in the hall or send me a personal note telling me that he knew God had a wonderful plan for me and that he was going to use me greatly. Or how Gwen Regas discipled me in my college years, as well as Chris, who would sit down with his chips and salsa and ask me questions about my spiritual life. Or like how the Lord brought my husband and me together through this church. And how right before we got married, he sent Kirk and Dana Polo here. And they've become the most treasured friends of our lives. Or how we've gotten to participate in small groups under the leadership of Pat Dunn and Todd Adrian, who have opened scripture over and over again to help us gain a greater understanding of the gospel and how the Lord does it all. That we did not come to him, but he came to us and continues to supply all our needs. Or how we have the privilege now of working with Alive and what a huge part of our lives they've become and how much we love them. Or how the Lord gave us a beautiful little boy who now gets to hear the gospel all the time from Shirley Orr, Brenda Cook, Jeanette Bashirs, Katie and Audra Glotfelty, and Pat and Terry Dunn. There are so many more names I could mention of people who have impacted my life. I couldn't tell you any of this without telling you about Glenwood Baptist Church, my home, my family, my safe place, my refuge. And all the glory goes to our holy God, who treasures the church so much that he sent his son to die for her. And I will be eternally grateful that he sent me here. Good morning. Still by a minute. Um, my story is a little different. Uh, my name is Dane Jensen, for those of you that may not know me. Uh, born and raised in Iowa. I've been living in Kansas City for almost six years now. Uh, I was saved at the age of 13 at a Easter uh, youth retreat. Um, similar kind of message. Uh, the message was on hell. And uh, at the very end, it was eternal separation from God. And 
I can re remember just weeping bitterly and, and going forward at the invitation and, and accepting the Lord as my Savior. Was baptized shortly after. Um, very blessed to, to be raised in a Baptist home up in Iowa with two parents that uh, Jesus was always at the front. Um, when I first moved here to Kansas City, uh, obviously I, I did some church um, looking around, visiting numerous churches, and I can remember one story that really stood out to me. Um, I had attended a church. I had walked in. Nobody had said hello to me. Nobody had greeted, greeted me at all. Uh, sat down in the pew. Finally, some people would come up. Hey, are you new here? Yes. You know, hi, welcome, things of that sort. And I got asked to come that night to a, a feast. They were having a gathering, a feast, a celebration. And uh, I can remember walking in, nobody saying hello to me, anything like that. I can remember going through the food line and sitting down at the table. And nobody would sit at me. And I was starting to wonder if I stink. I, I wasn't sure what was all going on. And everybody had gone through the food line. And I was sitting there all by myself, brand new to this church, and just remembering, I almost cried. At 20, 25 years old, I was almost crying in front of people because I was so embarrassed. That's not the case here at Glenwood, and that's, that's why I'm glad Pastor Bruce asked me to share. I can remember pulling up to the visitor parking, thinking, oh, there's nobody else in visitor parking. I, I hope this isn't going to go the same way. <laughs> I was walking up the concrete, and... Uh, wondering there's two things that i learned about being a baptist is one you never steal someone's seat all right where I, where I grew up people sit in the same spot sunday after sunday so i was worried about that and two never be late and so i was really early and i was walking up the walk and i'm wondering okay what door do i go in do i go in that door do i go in this door and all of a sudden carmen of all of all people yelled hey are you new here <laughs> and i was like oh I'm like, uh, y y yes, yes, I am. Come on in, come on in. And let me tell you, that just, that just melted my heart, Carmen. Thank you. Um, just made me comfortable. And before I even got to the pews, Pastor Bruce had said something to me. I met Mr. Randy and so forth. And it's been the same since that day forward. I've been attending for a year and a half since October 2015. Um, became a member last fall. And let me tell you, I'm just so incredibly blessed by each and one of you. Um, grow groups, discipleship with Pastor Chris. I know Randy said it, it went three years. We're only on lesson five, Randy, and we've been going a year. So, I mean, so it, it's, it's a process. But, you know, I just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for accepting me. Thank you for allowing me to start to create lifelong friendships with a lot of you. I've gotten to know several of you. Um, I get to play tennis with some of you that I enjoy. And just the love that you have shown me being, being a young man away from home, you know, it's, it's a tough process. And I'm just, I'm just so thankful. So thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. Dane, that was, that's a tough act to follow right there. But uh, uh, I think, I didn't bring any notes. Everything's in my head. I think the best way to, um, to start this is kind of give you a little bit of my history. And a lot of it has to do with, obviously, Glenville Baptist Church, God and Jesus Christ, our Savior, and Bruce. Um, I was born many, many years ago. Uh, I was born six months after my dad died in the Korean War, so I never, never got to meet my dad. Um, I was born and raised a Catholic. Uh, I believed in God. I went to church every Sunday. Um, I was an altar boy, the whole nine yards. 
Um, I guess somehow he decided to take my mom when I was 13. So I moved on a farm with my aunt and uncle. Uh, that's an experience I won't even, uh, won't even get into. Learned a lot about uh, pigs and cattle, I'll say that. Um, but I was, uh, I was angry, I was bitter. Um, you know, everybody I met had a mom and dad. And, you know, you just think to yourself, why, why would God do this to me? Well, you know, God has plans um, for everybody. And, and even though my story is, is different than others, there's stories out there that, that are far worse than mine. Um, so I kind of went through life, you know, angry, bitter, believed in God, <clears throat> but I just didn't commit. I, I, I didn't go to church. Um, life went on, uh, years passed. In 1994, uh, our son Zach was born. Um, one year later, uh, we met our brand new uh, next door neighbors, Bruce and Darla, moved in next door to us. Uh, again, part of God's plan. You just don't know. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. You don't, you don't know what's going on. Um, in uh, uh, April of 2014, um, our son Zach was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma, which is a rare form of bone cancer. Um, of course, I, you know, we got a hold of a lot of people, and one of the first persons I got a hold of was Bruce. Uh, <clears throat> Bruce came over on many occasions, talked to Zach. My biggest fear was I haven't done enough with my son. I haven't, I haven't taken my son to church. I haven't taught him about God like I know I should have. Um, I thank God for Bruce because, like I said, Bruce came and talked to, to Zach, prayed with Zach. And as a matter of fact, uh, 14 hours before Zach passed away, Bruce came that Tuesday morning and uh, said probably one of the most remarkable prayers I've ever heard in my entire life. And I was, I was praying, but I, I had my eyes open, and I was looking at Zach, who was having a very difficult time breathing that morning. Um, the cancer spread to his lungs. <coughs> And after, the, after Bruce's prayer, Bruce said, uh, you know, in Jesus' name, uh, amen. And I was looking at Zach, and Zach had his eyes closed, and he just went, amen, like that. And I thought he took his last breath. And then he went back to his hard breathing again, and like, like I said, he passed 14 hours after that. But I was, I was assured at that moment. I felt God in my house. I, 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 knew, I knew that, that God was with Jesus. I, I, I knew, I, I'm sorry, I knew that Zach was with, with our Lord. Um, after Zach passed, this was the first place I came. I mean, it was, it was a no-brainer. You know, Dane said he kind of went around different churches. You know, I'd known Bruce and Darla for years, and actually we had been here a couple times over the years. We came Easter, Easter Sunday once. So this is the first place I came. Um, you know, among other things that happened, uh, you know, Bruce and I, uh, I was saved after a, after a, a birdie-free round of golf with, with, with Bruce. Bruce asked me to sit in his uh, suburban, and uh, uh, he drew a little picture of a little chasm, a little, little, you know, bottom, bottomless pit there, and he said, there's a little ladder here. He said, you're on this side, Jesus is on the other side. He said, all you have to do is cross that ladder. He said, Bill, I want you to just, in your own mind, he said, I just want you to pray right now, and, and just in, in your own words, just pray. And I'm not much of a prayer. I mean, I, I, I get nervous, you know, even, even trying to say a prayer. But uh, I started praying, and I, I, God forgave me of my sins, and I've never, you know, even though I've been with God my whole life, or I should say God's been with me my whole life, um, I, I finally turned around and I embraced him. I, instead of ignoring him, I turned around, I, I, hugged, I hugged Jesus. Um, the best moment in my life. Uh, you never know what life's going to throw at you. You never know what God's plan is for, for, each for, for, for all of us as individuals. Um, 
but coming to this church, and, and I, I could go on and on, and I, I know I can't. Um, <clears throat> I was a guitar player for years and years and years. I came to church, and I saw Kirk up there playing the guitar. I'm like, well, I'm not taking his spot. He's way too good for me. And next thing I know, I'm playing the drums. Uh, <laughs> not really a drummer, but uh, uh, God, God works. You know, when, when Zach was sick, I, I prayed for the big miracle. Um, God could not grant us that miracle. God wanted Zach more than we did. It was, it was part of God's plan. Uh, but God has, has granted so many more miracles since then. It's just I, I can't keep track of them. Glenwood Baptist Church, the praise team, Bruce and Darla, uh, just everybody here that is, like Dane said, is, is so accepting, so, um, and like Chris talked about this morning, so forgiving. Um, you know, we are all here because of Jesus Christ, and we are all going to meet the people that we've lost um, because of Jesus Christ. So I guess in closing, I just, I just want to thank everybody in here, and I, I especially want to thank, I want to thank God and Jesus for, for, for accepting me uh, as sinner, and I especially want to thank Bruce and Darla and, and Gladwin Baptist Church for, for accepting me also. So thank you very much. that don't know me my name is Dana and after hearing this morning's messages from so many people I feel very humbled to be up here uh, speaking you speaking to you so thank you for bearing with me but um, I grew up in Osborne Kansas it's a small town about four hours west of here and I was raised Catholic uh, just like Bill and when you would have talked to me back then I would have said I'm a believer I believed in God and I went to church I was very active in the church um, but as I went to college, I, um, I didn't continue going to church, and I eventually stopped praying. And so I didn't know it then, but I did not have a personal relationship with Christ. And in college, I met my now ex-husband, and even though he was Catholic as well, we did not center our relationship around Christ in the beginning or throughout. So fast forward to a year ago, I, uh, I was trying to deal with the weight of my sins and I was just um, trying to figure out how I was gonna move my life forward. And a little while after that, I met Dane and I could tell right away that he centered his life around God. And he eventually invited me here to Glenwood and just like the others, I am so thankful that all of you were so welcoming to me coming from a Catholic background, um, coming into a Baptist church. I uh, didn't really know what to expect, but I was excited to find out. And when I walked in the door, I was greeted immediately. And I'm so thankful for that. Even some of my family that's had the opportunity to come now has, uh, has said how welcoming everybody has been. So through learning and through the sermons, um, I think that first sermon that I listened to was over exaggeration and exasperation. And I knew quite a bit about that at that point, um, so that really stuck with me. Um, so I was excited to come back. And um, through another sermon in September last year, Pastor Bruce was talking about uh, proclaiming Jesus. And he asked the question, will you believe in Jesus and be saved, or will you reject God's salvation in Jesus and be judged? And to me, 
that just struck a chord. Um, I, I had not forgiven myself, and by rejecting, um, well, by not forgiving myself, I was rejecting God's forgiveness. I was rejecting Jesus, and so I did not want to do that. And as we, um, as Dane and I talked about the sermon after church that day, um, and he got a totally different message from it than I did, but um, we prayed together, and I asked Jesus to forgive me, and I just entrusted my life to God. And after that, I just felt a weight lift off of my shoulders. The next morning, as I was waking up, you know, and my mind spinning, I kind of think in my half-awake sleep and, or my half-awake state, and um, I remember thinking, I am saved. I am forgiven. And from there, it's been a process. There has been a lot that's happened in the last six months, and it's all good. Um, I was uh, attending Grow Group and reading the books of the Bible, so the whole New Testament, and I finished that, and that took me on quite a journey. Um, I've been able to start discipleship with Gwen, and that has been such a blessing. And through that, I am um, sure and excited to be baptized, and so I'm waiting for the next opportunity to do that. Um, and also, uh, I've been able to start going to perspectives this, this winter. Uh, we've had five or six weeks of that now, and that's been um, a blessing to me as well. I was sitting in class a couple weeks ago, and I just had this memory of a few years ago um, when I really wasn't sure where I wanted to go in my career and, and with the people around me. Um, I would pray that I was just a source of joy and light to those around me. And um, what did I know back then? I thought, you know, that just meant making people happy. Maybe they'll be happy through my happiness. So. Um, I didn't really know what I was praying about, but God works in mysterious ways, and he brought me here, and he brought me to all of you, and, and through that perspectives and discipleship, and now I'm truly learning what it means to be a light for God and to share in God's joy. So um, I'm so thankful to all of you for, for welcoming me and teaching me, and I can't wait to continue learning and growing with you in Christ. Thank you to each and every one of you who shared. The reason I had these people share is because I want you to see, I want you to, to understand that, that our church, it's, it's about the people. And it's about the message of Jesus Christ that changes people. It's not about our name, Glenwood, so much as it is about the name of Jesus Christ. And uh, tonight, many of you are going to have opportunity to share your story of how God has used the ministry of this church to impact and change your life and your grow groups. And I wish I could attend each and every one of them to hear the stories that will be told tonight. And as you tell them, remember, we are celebrating the name of God. In fact, I'll ask the question again, what's in the name Glenwood? And the answer is, ultimately, it's a history of glorifying God's name through his church. I leave you with this. Like the children of Israel at Passover, may Psalm 115, which is another psalm that they would sing, may the first verse be a song in our hearts as we leave here this afternoon. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. It's to his name we praise. It's to his name we honor.
and glorified. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, we praise you and we thank you for the time that we have had to gather here this morning and to look back and to celebrate the history of our church. But in doing so, recognizing that we are celebrating who you are as our God and what you have done in rescuing us from the bondage of our sins through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through his birth, through his death, and his burial, and his resurrection, and his soon return. Lord, that is what we put our hope in. That is the power of the gospel. And Lord, that is the message that we proclaim, and we pray and ask while we are thankful for the past. Lord, we ask that you would continue to use the ministry of this church to impact and radically change people's lives that desperately need you. And so we give you the honor and the glory for all that has been said and done, not only this morning, but in the past. And we look forward to next Sunday and many, many more Sundays after that. In your name we pray. Amen.